This is Splice. Welcome to Splice Pink. I'm Alan Suna, co-founder at Splice Media. And I'm Rishad, the other co-founder. So Pink is where we have quick conversations with people across the global media ecosystem. So it's from media startup founders and journalists and funders to all the tech, data, and design folks. That also includes game developers. In today's episode, we're talking with Simon Vincent, the content strategist of Playlog, which is a game development services team based in Singapore. The website says it all began with a board game. Simon, tell us why and how Playlog happened. Hi, uh, it's great being here. So Playlog started out when we began working on Flyway. It's a board game on bird migration and conservation. So that that game is basically a kind of, it's based on the East Asian, Australasian Flyway. So we wanted to focus on migratory birds in Asia. So there are all of these uh, very important threats that birds are facing and a lot of ecological messages that we wanted to bring across. So we had worked with BirdLife International, who is our knowledge partner. We were doing a, we did a brochure for them. So it was just, you know, what are threats migratory birds are facing? And then, you know, we, we enjoyed this partnership and we wanted to do something new and fun and something, you know, perhaps that you can have more broad uh, appeal for people. So we started thinking of this board game idea and then it took off really and it just became bigger and bigger actually. So I don't want to get bogged down in the details, but right now we are playing a lot of creations, but we were uh, from Tuber, which was a design and editorial consultancy. So through this board game, we kind of transformed in a lot of different ways. And a lot of that had to do with getting on Kickstarter as well. So when we put the board game out there and then... Uh, we saw, oh, okay, you know, people interested in this game and, you know, game design is something that we really liked and enjoyed and there was so much potential to explore this medium to tell stories in a different way. So we were like, okay, from there we started thinking deeply about, you know, what, what do you want to do as a game company and that's where Playlog came about. Playlog, where you want to bring play and dialogue together. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interested at how you explain what Playlog is, right? So when your friends ask you, or when your parents ask you, what do you do, son? How do you explain this? It's On the one hand, it sounds like you are a game developer. On the other hand, you, to me at least, you are a media design firm. Yes, so, so part of the reason for that is, so uh, when we were exploring game, game design especially and game developers in general, we found that a lot of game designers, they, they were very, they had all the, expertise in designing games you know the game mechanics how do we get this game design working how how does the game work but they didn't have they didn't always have the illustration capabilities and the graphic design and the branding so that's why we saw okay tuber we have this you know experience over the years many years you know working with clients on their publications and you know we were good at putting out content and then we saw this kind of this opportunity where okay we can fill this gap for game designers and yeah so so we kind of we we started this out from tabletop game development but we saw that you know there was a lot of overlap with what what you need to do to put out uh, media content and so yeah we're kind of open that way we're we're into tabletop game tabletop game mechanics. But we want to help people with, you know, if you have a campaign and you want to gamify it, because gamification is so big right now, 
and even like books and comics they're all kind of having like game elements to it so yeah we, we thought that's something we can help with so yeah that's where that the, the media part comes in i guess when when you look at and what other people are doing in this space for for you know gamification and whatnot? What have you seen that really stood out as a as a fundamental shift in the way we think about content and games? I think one of the one of the companies that one of the initiatives that really that really made an impact to me. I haven't tried it out myself, but I saw the videos and I saw the website. There's this company called Game to Grow. So what they do is they use Dungeons and Dragons to do uh, lessons for children and they use it as a form of therapy so yeah so you know so it is so from what i remember so it's like okay so you have a kid right now he's having trouble opening up so you create a character and you create some challenges where you get the kid to inhibit the, to kind of inhabit the role and then put some challenges maybe along the way maybe you have to defeat some orc or whatever and you have to speak out and yeah you get the kid to do that so for me, you know, this was this was amazing, right? Because you know, you're bringing something something that's so old, right? Dungeons and Dragons, right? But you put it in a Zoom context, and you can do it, you know, on Zoom. And yeah, that was yeah, that was very exciting for me, and I I, I like that, you know, and use games to kind of bring people together for maybe a bigger cause. I mean, I'm fine with just having fun. That's that's great. But you know, games there is this social component to it, and how you can kind of get people to maybe think deeper or do something that, you know, they don't even realize is something bigger. So, yeah, that was something that was quite interesting to me. And I also found that, especially now with COVID situation, right, everybody's going through all of this digital transformation and stuff. Right now, at least in the board game scene, there's uh, a lot of wonder about how we are going to adapt to this. And so a lot of people have been using uh, this platform called Tabletopia. So that's basically an open platform where you go there and you upload your artwork and you can let people play the game if you want. Uh, we use that actually for our playtesting sessions because this nobody expected COVID and this happened just when you were about to go to Kickstarter and playtesting is so important. So what we did was upload it on Tabletopia and we got playtesters to do it. It's not always easy because because it's an open platform. The the, the functions you are using it's it's not always fixed. It's not always catered to your game mechanics and stuff like that. But it was good just to get things rolling. So I wanted to you know take what you were saying forward. You said that you saw a bit of a gap in the market that you could offer services that other perhaps other game developers weren't offering, and that takes me to storytelling because I mean if you don't have a good story your game is not going to work, right? And, you know, we work with other kinds of storytellers and, you know, in the media. So have you guys worked with journalists or news media organizations yet? Is that part of your plans? Not yet, but we'd definitely be open to that. And first, uh, because I come from a journalist background, right? And the way I approached the collaboration with BirdLife was kind of from that sensibility. So, you know, you know you're working with a story, you, you know, you go to your source or whatever, your partner, and you interview them, you get as much out of them as possible, right? Even just the feelings of what is it like to bird and stuff, you know, birding, you know, what, what makes people so enthusiastic about it and why are they so, yeah, why do they go out there for hours, you know, together and, you know, do those birding competitions? 
And so the person that we work with closely is Dr. Yong Ding Lee. So he is this very well-established bird scientist. You know, he's working a lot on bird conservation. So he was working very closely with our, our creative director, who's a bird photographer. So she was already kind of uh, involved in the community. So what we would do, at least for our game design process, so we discussed with BirdLife International, okay, so what, what is the game going to be about? So we wanted to focus on the East Asian Australasian Flyway, which is this huge part of the world, which extends from Russia in the north all the way to New Zealand in the south. So when you're thinking about that, okay, so... Birds in this region, Asia, they're not usually featured in many games or even in media. Then you're thinking this map, okay, it seems like you should use this map as the game board. And okay, birds have different destinations. Okay, why not Why not this game be a root building game? So essentially in this game, you are placing links, completing migratory routes to save birds. But the bigger story behind that is that when you are placing this, you are learning the, the fairy pita goes from this destination to this destination. And along the way, we have these threats called foul play. And that's where the conservation element comes in. Oh, okay, birds actually hit into buildings and yeah, and all, there are all of these different uh, ecological threats. So we, we got all of that through a lot of con- conversations with Dingli and everything was kind of vetted with him and making sure... We balance the fun with the science. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that, that birding is like the original open world game, right? You're collecting data, you're comparing it, and you're all bound by this big mission. Yeah, exactly. And actually, if you think about gamification, it's in so many things that you don't even realize, right? Even if you're going to the bubble tea shop and you are getting your stamps, you are go- wait, waiting for the fifth or tenth bubble tea and that's a game in itself. So Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'd like to understand more about, about the company and, and, and how and how you work with clients, right? So so what, what does a, a a standard pitch sound like when you go out and you're pitching for someone's campaign? Let's say, you know, if you were if you were working on the test trace vaccinate campaign, how would you think about this? Oh, wow. I, I think first thing, the first, most important thing to figure out first is what medium they want it to be on because that would determine a lot of things. So I think right now there's some TikTok game. It's like you swipe. I think it's like Fruit Ninja thing. I, I think it was developed by kind of which government agency. So yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's fine. You, you're swiping and stuff and it fits for TikTok because, you know, you want something that's you know, maybe a little quirky and easy to play. But I guess if it's a larger campaign and maybe there's uh, specific messages you want to bring across, uh, it could be something online, like an online game. Yeah, so I, I think it really depends what they want. Is it a long campaign or is it just a game? There are even games that are just done via emails, which uh, can be quite effective. So Tell, yeah. tell us more about that. that. That sounds really cool. Email games. How does that oh. work? Okay, so there's this game I played. It was launched on Kickstarter. It was called Wait For Me. And it's it's an RPG game. And it's called a journaling RPG game. And essentially, every day you get a prompt. And you respond to it. So it's a writing game. But it's pretty introspective. You get as much as you give to this game. And this game, Wait For Me, is a kind of time travel game. Where you're... Writing, you have a journal. So, 
so this is the cool thing. You have to have a journal, something you write in, and this is what you are sending to your past self. And the, the cool gamifying part here is that they'll actually ask you to take physical things to paste there, to send as proof to your past self. So you would actually reach into your wallet, for instance, to take out a receipt with the date on it. And you're like, hey, uh, past self, you know, and then you write a note there. And this is just, you know, an email email game. I mean, you can now go and download the whole PDF and do it yourself. But during the campaign, it's, yeah, you, uh, as soon as the campaign's over, she started sending uh, weekly emails, I think, or is it uh, daily emails? Yes, it's something very simple but effective. And I think a lot of people got, uh, a lot of people uh, connected to the game because of the pandemic. Because there was this, since I, I don't know, I don't know if, uh, if it was the same for you guys, but everybody was kind of like searching for community. They were feeling alone. And yeah, this whole introspective part. So I think she created a game partly inspired by that too. And yeah, that was, yeah, I, 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 I quite enjoyed that game. Social gaming is a whole uh, another can of worms, right? Pretty amazing. You know, so again, you know, I'm coming back to our core audience, you know, a lot of media folks and a lot of within that, a lot of news media folks. So what if I had an article, you know, on say how many tax dollars it took for a billionaire to go to space? You know, how could you help me with gamifying that into a little like rocket ship game? What would you? What would the onboarding process be if I wanted to launch this? So I can't give like a specific game design path right now, but I would imagine a lot of it would be the way uh, data science, data journalism stories being rolled out now. There's there's a lot of potential there for gamifying because you have to click and then there's a path you want people to go towards, and I would imagine it would be cool if you can actually create multiple uh, pathways in a kind of story. I, actually, I, I have thought about this. I, I'm just trying to work out how exactly it works. So, you know, you know, whatever, if, when you're learning about journalism, there's always different angles and stuff. What do you lead with, right? I was just imagining, if you had one story with different leads and, and it all goes into different places, I don't know how exactly that would work, but it would be an interesting experiment yeah yeah these, these are things that excite me but you know yeah yeah so there, there are a lot of possibilities this is just me uh talking over the top of my head but yeah i have thought about this i've never thought about kickstart so you know when you go to kickstarter there are a lot of um there are projects where you are funding for something maybe long term okay there's this project but you know later maybe i'll see what i'm going to do as a company and stuff like that but perhaps like you could even just start a magazine with like Okay, this is for a w one year or one month, three months or whatever. This is the content we want to do. And, you know, I tell you every, all the content we want. And this is how much funding I need. And then you just create something beautiful or magical for that, that period. And, you know, you get all the best contributors. And, you know, you tell people, you know, these are the people you want to hire. And, yeah, and then you, you kickstart. And then you fund it. And you see whether people, people are interested in it. Because I, I think the sustainability thing is something a lot of people talk about, but perhaps something, you know, short term, but concentrated could be interesting. And then later you see if you want to start a company or what. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Your, your enthusiasm is really quite, quite infectious here. It's really exciting to see. What, so looking back at your career, right, and, and you've written, you know, freelance pieces across, across the region. You've done a lot of work on that side. 
what do you wish you knew about gamification principles that you know that that you could have done back then or you wish you could go back into your past life and apply gamification i i don't know whether it was for me it was a lot about the community engagement part that i felt was missing for me as a journalist yeah so so i i So it, it's funny how you get lessons not from the media sometimes uh, or like news outlets. So when I went to Kickstarter, like you really get the sense how much is at stake because you know you're asking quite a, a lot out of people, right? So you know you're putting all the product there, and you know you you do make sure you show how credible you are and how invested you are in people's trust, right? But they are basically committing to you with money, right? Before they actually get the product, that's that's a big responsibility right there. And you know, you have to make sure that you connect your community as authentically as possible, and you know, as much as you can. So when I went to Kickstarter, so I did a lot of research. I mean, you know, I went to see a lot of people. So why 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 is this Kickstarter campaign connecting people? And wow, the creator is really going out there talking to people, and they they're posting the updates uh, as regularly as possible. And also, Kickstarter taught me about the fact that you don't have to get everything right as long as you make sure that you 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 know you are you're honest and you you keep people uh, informed. So you know, right now with the pandemic and stuff, that there's a lot of problem with uh, shipping, you know, costs are rising. But Kickstarter backers, they they they've kind of they understand this problem as long as you make sure you you inform them ahead of time. So we we try to do that as, as much as possible. So you know, you know, shipping updates. You know, so I I I have been thinking about that. If if I had this kind of sensibility from early on, how how would I have approached launching my book? Perhaps. So like before for my book, uh, the Naysayers Club. I only planned the website. I I don't know if I should be revealing this, but it's fine because you know this is all learning experience. The website is so important, right? But I was just so caught up with the book, and then I didn't think of. Uh, you know how 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 am I going to make sure this book connects with people, right? And the website is so important. I did it in one month. I think it's all right. But now, you know, with the experience I have, I, I'd be planning that, you know, a lot more and thinking about, you know, how I can really make sure that I connect with people. I, I haven't thought about it in a great detail, but how would a publicity campaign for a book through a gamified medium be? I don't know. Maybe even a quiz. Maybe you can do a kind of email game campaign thing. Yeah, so I would definitely not go about marketing the same way uh, because I I think even when doing freelance stories, you you finish the story and you send it to publisher, and you're kind of detached sometimes from you know how the story later gets received, right? Which is sometimes understandable because you know I'm saying all this, but you know journalists have a hard job as well. Uh, Because I, 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 I've been thinking about this, that you know, we're sharing a lot about the many ways you can do journalism better, but there's also so many things to do sometimes. And yeah, how how do we kind of balance that? And yeah, I, I don't know. It's something I'm, I've been thinking more and more about. Yeah. But I mean, this is one of the conversations that Alan and I have all the time. You know, I mean, in fact. You know, arguably, this is one of the conversations that that well, you know, launched Splice is how do we straddle those worlds of you know startup and journalism and media, and how do we make them bring them together so we can make them make them work better, right? And all the things you're saying about the lessons that you wanted to learn as an early you know in your early career as a journalist are like you know, fail fast, fail cheap. 
you're saying build in public, which is something that you learn from Kickstarter. You know, you work with community, be responsive, you know, incentivize or gamify what, what you're doing. And you don't, it doesn't have to be uh, fantastic and finished. It has to be a product that appeals to people. And we're, I mean, we're taking all these lessons away from you uh, because you straddled those worlds completely. Yes, I, I remember when I told my friends that I'm starting with my colleagues a game company and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, Because there's this shift, right? But for me, there is quite a lot of things that overlap. I mean, I, I'm still writing content and, you know, you know, in the end, what, what is the story for but to connect with readers? I'm still doing all of that and, you know, right, running a newsletter, you know, making sure your website content and all the copywriting is good. It's just, you know, I, in, a, in a different industry. And for me, it's precisely this, this startup experience, right? How many journalists get to, you know, start a company? So for me, I, I wanted to go through this whole experience. So you, you might not think that it's important, but finding out, oh, okay, this is what it means to run a business. And okay, if so for us, if we are doing shipping, I don't know whether it's an online product or what, how, how do you make sure the prices and, you know, your costs and all of that, the amount of work you put in, uh, there's something at the end of it, uh, and the time you spend on it, it's yeah, it's a whole you know, other way of thinking. And for me, that excites me, and I find that's especially important now, uh, especially if you're a freelancer, actually, because you know all of these things, you know, you have to know it. So the freelancer mentality and the startup mentality, there's a lot of overlap, I find. And do you think that's teachable? You know, it, it would be cool, you know, to be able to bring that, those two mentalities together and perhaps, you know, teach more freelance journalists part of what they already basically know as intuitive knowledge, right? How to be a startup, how to be a successful startup. Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, <laughs> uh, things like, you know, making sure as a freelance journalist, you still have a website for people to go where your portfolio is. That's so important. You might, you, I, I was pushing it always, you know, thinking I will do it another day. But that's so important. You need a calling card, you know, things like that. Uh, if you get it right from the start, it <laughs> makes your life so much easier. Because, yeah, it's great to be a great writer. That's important, you know. You're making sure your content is good. But there's so many uh, writers out there. How are you going to stand out and make sure, you know, you, uh, you know, you are the first one people approach or people want to pick during a pitch. And that means marketing yourself. You know, you've got to market yourself. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I have not really kind of like put it down in like principles. I find for me at least it was just going through different experiences so yeah so for me they start this play a lot with a new company and you know I, I know i'm getting a lot out of it you know whether it comes to content creation or kind of community engagement and i, and I know this will be useful so yeah i, I don't know just putting yourself out, out for new experiences would help i guess <laughs> i i love that we that we both have the same uh song sheet here right uh rishad is nodding his head off <laughs> because we agree so much with everything that, that you're saying here if i could push you to to have you know list some of these principles may, maybe not not a list of principles but what would be the number one principle that 
that people people in the media industry need to apply when launching new products? Hmm. I, I I think I saw this in your newsletter, but it was something uh, that really... No, uh, you can't attribute to us. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not uh, a specific uh, point, but it's actually a way of thinking. I, I, don't, I don't think you all put it in these words, but the fact that you as a journalist, whatever, you are up news outlet or what, you are still just a content creator like everybody. I found this very important because whatever industry you are in, I find if you're creating content, that's important to know because for me at least i found that i think journalism is kind of going through a lot of uh, changes in many ways right and there's if you stick with the whole idea that you know we're, we're journalists are special and there's this special place and stuff like that and then and then you there's this kind of i don't know elitist or what uh, but but you kind of skewed that way you don't really see your content as I, I still need to connect with people. I, I still need to make sure it's not just, oh, just because I'm a great journalist, you know, people are going to connect with me. Especially when you're a new startup, you, you cannot assume any of these things. It might be different if you're a legacy media outlet. Fine, you know, you can just produce content and, you know, yeah, there's a big enough architecture there to push your content out and help you with it. But if you are starting out something new and you want to set, set yourself apart, you can't work with those assumptions at all. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I find that's, I don't know whether that's something, yeah, that, that's for me very key. It's more of a kind of way of looking at what you do and I don't know, keeping yourself grounded, but also realistic, uh, you know, making sure that you know what's at stake. And yeah, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow as well, right? Because, you know, you, if you're a journalism student, you've gone through whatever causes and stuff. You've gone, you've done all of this technical knowledge, and then you're out in the working world, and then you realize, I, I just can't. It's just not enough to write a story. It's harsh, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the honesty and and just the realism and practicality of 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 all this knowledge you've got, man. This is fantastic. We're gonna leave it here because this is a conversation that could go on for a lot longer. <laughs> Simon Vincent, a Playlog, a game development services company based in Singapore. This is a wrap for, for this episode of Splice Pink. If you like this podcast and you want to get more, please subscribe. Better yet, share this with someone who is also interested in, in transforming the media landscape. Get in touch. We're on splicemedia.com. We will catch you in the next one.